You are listening to the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast, episode 21. Today, we're going to be talking about the best ways to recover post-workout and methods you can use to recover faster. So let's get started. Hey everybody, Leslie here. Welcome to the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. The 20 Minute Fitness Podcast is produced every Tuesday for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.20minute.fitness. All of the links are in the show notes. Also, feel free to send us an email with topic suggestions. Write your idea to podcast at 20minute.fitness. Now let's get into the show. As always, the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker. You step on it and it digitizes your body in photorealistic 3D. Now available for pre-order on shapescale.com. Hello everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in. Um, So recovery is a side to fitness that you don't really realize right off the bat, but it's very important. Um, Once you start to feel the first pangs of soreness or you feel yourself start to burn out, you'll understand the importance of taking your recovery seriously. So this week we're going to be talking about what you should focus on in your recovery and some tips that will help you to recover faster and more effectively. One of the prime areas that a proper recovery will help you with is muscle soreness. Uh, Post-workout muscle soreness is commonly referred to as delayed onset muscle soreness. Uh, After finishing a workout, you may feel a little tired, but over the next 12 to 24 hours, the soreness starts to set in. Uh, When we exercise, we're placing stress on our muscles, um, actually causing microscopic tears. Uh, This is a good thing uh, since it leads to stronger muscle regrowth. Uh, Along with inflammation, um, these cause the muscle soreness and discomfort known as delayed onset muscle soreness. Another factor that a proper recovery team will help you with is uh, helping you avoid general fatigue. Uh, Fatigue is an easy hurdle to come across when you are training, Um, but it's an easy to fix thing uh, with the right tools, and we're going to get into uh, how you can counteract that fatigue. So getting right into it, we're going to be talking about sleep. Uh, Sleep is such a powerful fatigue fighter and recovery method. Uh, Going chronically without needed sleep leads to all sorts of weird effects, including performance loss, uh, technique execution difficulties, and profound elevations of cortisol and decreases in testosterone. In fact, going without sleep has been shown to do two things. One, cause fat gain, and then later on, cause muscle loss. Sleep gives you more than just rest. It helps your nervous system and replenishes your energy stores. Naturally, the deeper and better you sleep, the better you help restore your nervous system. That's important because if you don't let your central nervous system recuperate, your fitness suffers since your central nervous system is responsible for triggering muscle contractions, reaction time, and response to pain. And you can start overloading your body on a larger scale. You're going to become slower, weaker, maybe even less coordinated in your workouts if you're not getting the appropriate amount of sleep. What's more, Your endocrine system and hormone profile are working while you're sleeping. These are really important because you secrete hormones like cortisol and testosterone that produce protein synthesis or muscle growth. 
says Dr. Little, a performance specialist at MJP, where he coaches athletes training in the NFL Combine, NFL, and MLB. In a stressed out state, people have high cortisol levels, which can hurt performance and goals over a long period of time. For example, after a couple of days of being under-recovered, your testosterone is going to drop. That affects how much muscle you can gain. As for meals before bed, you need to be careful. If you eat a huge meal, then just go right to bed. You're giving your body the nutrients and calories it needs, but if you eat that huge meal too close to when you fall asleep, your body's going to be focused on digesting and trying to pass on those nutrients more than it is on recovering. Try to get your meal in one to two hours before bed. If you're having trouble sleeping, then Dr. Little says that you might need a supplement of some melatonin, usually five milligrams. The other supplement strategy is to drink an amino acid or a whey protein shake right before bed. This will give your body what it needs to immediately begin to rebuild damaged muscle from training. Next, let's get into food. Second only to sleep when it comes to recovery is food. Recovery nutrition is a huge topic and many healthcare professionals dedicate their life to it. So we're going to go over some of the basic tips that will help the most when it comes to recovery and recovering efficiently and quickly after a workout. To begin with, rehydrating should begin soon after finishing your training session or event. A good indicator to how much water you should drink is to weigh yourself before you work out and then to weigh yourself after. You should drink the amount of water that the difference is, as you have probably lost that amount of water weight and sweat. Moving on to the topic of sports drinks. Most of these sports drinks are isotonic, which makes them perfect for intra-workout and means they contain between 4 grams and 8 grams of sugar or carbohydrates per 100 milliliters and have a similar isomotic pressure to bodily fluids. As a result, the isotonic drink is taken up by the body quickly, making them perfect for endurance sports. The glucose can be utilized quickly, which provides the body with additional energy resources, lists the electrolytes, help to quench thirst. On the negative side, some people find them too sugary and can cause GI distress slash bloating. So be sure to pick up one that works well for you. A good alternative to sports drinks is coconut water. Coconut water is packed with potassium and has fewer calories than traditional sports drinks. Some coconut water producers also don't have any additional sugar, relying only on its natural sugar. But coconut water only boasts about 30 milligrams of sodium per serving compared to sports drinks. If you're looking for something other than water to keep you hydrated, you can swap in a few glasses of coconut water. For light workouts lasting less than an hour, you can also drink coconut water for rehydration. Next, we're going to be looking into the world of protein shakes and specifically protein shakes versus BCAAs. Uh, If you've been doing a heavy gym session and are primarily concerned with muscle repair and adaptation, uh, kickstarting that process with a protein-based recovery drink is a great idea. Unfortunately, many of these drinks are not great for rehydration and often neglect electrolyte properties, but BCAAs and protein-based drinks can be a great way to get the nutrients your starving body needs post-workout. Combine with carbs to increase the uptake and you have a great option. However, according to some experts, BCAAs are no longer needed by people who are consuming sufficient amounts of protein. 
If you meet the 1.5 gram per kilogram requirement, you may no longer need additional intake from a BCAA supplement. But of course, this isn't always the case. There are instances when the body needs more amino acids. This is true for athletes and bodybuilders. According to studies, branched-chain amino acids aid in protein synthesis by increasing the cellular capacity for protein synthesis. That means, on a cellular level, your body has an increased capacity to repair itself. In addition to this, amino acids are readily available. BCAAs are known for its fast effect. Unlike peptide-bound branched-chain amino acid, it is no longer needed to be processed in the liver. It goes directly into your skeletal muscle, acting fast, diminishing the chances of catabolism. Next, you might be wondering, how soon after my workout should I be consuming a protein shake or a BCAA? This topic has been somewhat hotly debated because of what is known as the anabolic window. Previously, it was believed that consuming your protein 30 minutes after your workout was the prime window in order to gain muscle. However, according to Dr. Christy Kendall, who has a PhD in sports nutrition, says that research methods have drastically improved and we are now armed with better information. Early studies often use subjects in a fasted state to look at the effects of nutrient timing on changes in body composition, strength, and muscle size. Because fasting itself will put your body in a catabolic state, eating immediately after a workout is crucial for promoting muscle protein synthesis and glycogen storage. But unless you train at 5 a.m. on an empty stomach, there's less urgency when it comes to consuming your post-workout meal. Eating as few as 20 grams of protein as part of your pre-workout meal can significantly elevate the delivery of amino acids to your muscles for up to 2-3 to three hours post-workout. So even if you delay your post-workout meal for a couple of hours, your body is still using the amino acids from your pre-workout meal to stimulate maximal growth and recovery. Although it certainly doesn't hurt to throw back a protein shake immediately after your workout, but you can still gain a substantial amount of strength and size even when delaying post-workout nutrition. Rather than focusing on this imaginary window of special growth, plan your meals so that you consume 25 to 30 grams of protein every few hours and consume adequate amounts of carbs throughout the day to keep your energy levels high in the gym. Next, we're going to be moving on to food. So in order to restore muscle glycogen and promote protein synthesis, consume 0.8 gram per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrates and 0.2 grams per kilogram of body weight of protein as your post-workout meal. So, for example, a 154-pound athlete, uh, this would be 56 grams of carbohydrates and 14 grams of protein. You can continue your recovery nutrition two to three hours post-exercise by eating a meal containing whole foods. This meal should contain a combination of carbohydrates, about 20 grams of protein, and some fat. Dividing daily protein intake into four or more 20-gram meals has been shown to have a greater stimulus on protein synthesis than two big meals with 40 grams of protein per meal or eight smaller meals of 10 grams of protein per meal. A 20-gram feeding of protein is the sweet spot to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. This week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness is sponsored by Health IQ. 
an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. The Health IQ Advantage is their unique mortality model on the health-conscious, and they have lower rates for people who are leading a health-conscious life, kind of like a good driver savings on auto insurance. They have unique underwriting that replaces BMI with waist-to-hip ratio, takes into consideration cholesterol calculations, and more. In fact, 70% of their exclusive rate clients get approved at the top rate class. HealthIQ is the fastest-growing life insurance company with over $5 billion in coverage. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash 20fit. Or mention the promo code 20fit when you talk to a HealthIQ agent. Life insurance companies calculate your policy rates based on your nearest age, not your actual age. And rates increase as you get older. Lock in the best possible rate by getting a free quote today. So now we're going to be talking about your warm-up routine. And a warm-up routine is so important in terms of injury prevention and getting the most out of your workout. A smart warm-up gives your muscles, bones, and joints a chance to loosen up. It gradually and gently brings up your heart rate and makes it easier to get into the rhythm you want to sustain during your actual workout. One of the best ways to start off your warm-up whether you are weightlifting or you're about to do a cardio routine, um, is to walk. Uh, Walking gently for three to five minutes is a great way to warm up your body and is the ideal low-intensity activity to ease your body out of the sitting mode and into a workout mode. The motion of walking takes the muscles, tendons, and joints through a range of motion that's similar to what it will go through in running or cycling and just allows a little bit of blood flow to get to your joints and muscles. Starting off with an easy warm-up like walking is especially great for athletes who are coming back from an injury and are hoping to really warm up areas that they don't want to re-injure. The next factor of any good warm-up routine is doing dynamic stretching. Uh, Static stretching where you hold a muscle in an elongated or fixed position for 30 seconds or more is really discouraged when you're trying to warm up your muscles. Uh, It's been linked to injury and it's been linked to weakening your joints and tendons, uh, especially when you're in a very cold state. Uh, But dynamic stretching, which uses controlled leg movements to improve range of motion and loosen up your muscles and also increase your heart rate, um, has been linked to more effectively warming up your body to have a more effective workout. Great dynamic stretches include arm swings, walking lunges, and leg lifts. Now let's get into your cool down routine. Hitting the bike or having a light ride after doing anything, whether it's lifting or another form of cardio, is a great way to cool down after a long or hard session. Spinning for 10 to 15 minutes on a bike is a really good tool. It can help loosen up muscles and limit lactic acid buildup. Whether it's on a spin bike at the gym or on a real bike outdoors, the trick is to make sure that the resistance is low. Including a static stretching cool-down section is a great way to avoid soreness for your next workout. For best results, cool-down stretches should be passive, so you should hold them for a while. Try doing more than 10 seconds per passive stretch. As a rule of thumb, A good aim is to do six to eight deep breaths per stretch. Also, foam rolling, 
is a fairly effective way to increase a muscle's range of motion in the short term and decrease soreness when done daily. Current research supports rolling for two one-minute segments per muscle group every day following a tough workout or race. Another good rule of thumb is to change out of your wet clothes immediately. Uh, Wet clothing can chill you down too quickly after a run or after a workout. By putting on dry garments, you can keep your muscles warm, which promotes circulation that aids recovery. Good blood flow brings much-needed nutrients to depleted muscles and carries metabolic waste away, exactly what you want to feel following a tough workout. Another key component to recovery is having rest days and also active rest days. So on active rest days, you might want to choose a activity such as walking or very low intensity cycling uh, to help your body on the road to recovery um, after grueling workouts the day before. Even by taking a simple walk is a great way to prevent injury and get some blood moving within your muscles, but also promote active recovery. Another staple in athletic recovery has been ice baths. So ice baths have been a mainstay of post-workout recovery for quite some time. Uh, which is a problem for two main reasons. First, a study done last year at the English Institute of Sport measured various markers of physiological stress before and up to 72 hours after cold water immersion. And they found no positive improvement over those who didn't use an ice bath, meaning they didn't promote recovery at all. More troubling, the same study showed that ice baths may actually hinder recovery. Ice blunts inflammation. Great for treating an injury, but certain types of inflammation are important for recovery's repair and adaption process. And in terms of decreasing inflammation, ice is indiscriminate. While massage may blunt only the right types of inflammation, ice hits them all. Remember, recovery is about your muscles repairing themselves. Because of this, the study's author, Jonathan Leader, recommends using an ice bath only in a competition scenario, when the feel-good factor is more important than any training games. During training, however, ice baths should be avoided. So what about heat? Heat is still a good way to reduce soreness and promote recovery. One of the best ways to implement heat in your recovery routine is to take a warm bath and preferably with Epsom salts. Also, Heating pads can ease muscle soreness by applying low heat directly to the source of pain. Leave it on for about 20 minutes and be sure to place a towel between the pad and your skin to avoid potential burns. So the heat helps warm your muscles and increase blood flow, both factors that will help you along with an effective recovery. So that wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, Thanks so much again for listening to 20 Minute Fitness. All of the studies that were mentioned in this podcast will be available in our show notes at www.20minute.fitness. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we would absolutely love it if you left us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can even screenshot your review and send it over to our email podcast at 20minute.fitness and we can send you a mystery prize. Also, if you have any topic suggestions on a future episode of 20 Minute Fitness, Uh, feel free to send it to the same email, podcast at 20minute.fitness. Thanks again for listening and hope to meet you back here next week to listen to the latest in fitness and nutrition. Bye!